only thing better than watching TV is taking it personally. And we're back. Another episode of Taking It Personally. And I mean, the ways that I want to utilize TIP, like <laughs> tip, tip the tip of the top of the I sound like Shannon Bador, honestly, <laughs> yeah. on um, St. Patty's. Um, yeah. I'm so excited to deep dive with um, one of my favorite people, you know, him as a Bravoholic vulture blogger whose other credits include Vogue, The Cut and the LA Times, among many others. Tom Smythe, or as you know, I love to call you Tom Smith Smythe. Welcome back to Taking It Personally. I think mm-hmm. we've done a Taking It Personally before. Have we not? We have. I... What was it about? Neither of us remember. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was about? The other two. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, so, so necessary and Mm -hmm. so worth it and so worthwhile. And we're about to talk about a show that's very similar Mm -hmm. in many ways to a farce. (laughs) (laughs) The crown. So first off, how are you? I'm doing great. I feel very uh, regal after my (laughs) four episode binge. (laughs) Isn't it one of those things? I I think it's like post BravoCon, post LA. It took me until the last possible minute to catch up on Housewives before recording AG because there mm-hmm. was just so much Housewives. And yet, the second I found out that The Crown was back, it was yeah. immediate gut instinct. It's not even a question of how, when am I going to watch these? <laughs> it's you're watching all of these at once mm-hmm. immediately. And here we are. Yeah. And because of that, I was so thankful that they split the season and it was yes. only four episodes because I think they knew, I think the producers of The Crown said, you know what, Bravo is currently airing all of their Housewives shows yeah, at once. Right. So we have to, mm. you know, parse this out in a reasonable way. I think that's exactly what Netflix comms. Mm. PR and also the folks <laughs> yes. um, behind the crown were entirely thinking of the Bravo community. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. So. so season whatever dropped, I don't even mm-hmm. know, six? six. yeah. And we got the first part of it. Had you heard anything about what we would be seeing on the show? Maybe some dramatic plot, artistic, creative licensing Mm. stuff had you been aware of that before watching the episodes so i had heard of this princess diana lady i know spoiler alert guys (laughs) we're going to be talking about all of it so spoiler Um, alert no so yeah i had kind of been following because i'm so interested in that show as um from a kind of technical standpoint the Mm. fact that they did it with the changing cast and the two seasons, two right. seasons, two seasons. So from the beginning, I sort of was like, okay, when do we get to the good stuff? When do like, what's that going to look like? Yeah. Um, and what do you consider the good stuff, Diana? I yeah, I would say Diana, but I have enjoyed like the earlier seasons yeah. a whole bunch because I didn't know anything about oh a God. lot of that. Totally. So, but I think when you do hear like, oh, the, they're making a show about you know the royals, you that's you know Diana and all of that is what you think of as like the juicy bits. Yeah. Um. So I had sort of been following like, okay, what seasons are going to cover what? What cast is going to be covering what? And how far are they going to go with it? Like, what's that end point going to be? So I was really interested in kind of f- trying to like keep tabs on uh, how deep into uh, the present that we were going to get with the show before it ended. So I, w- I was kind of... Uh, aware of what period of time it would cover, and I know that this first, these first four episodes are, uh, you know, covering that that final part of Diana's life, and then the second half of the season is, uh, you know, post her death, which 
kind of makes sense as a natural mid-season break. So it mm -hmm. makes sense as why they split it into these two parts. And I think the second part is, or at some point, Will goes to college and we see Kate. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's like a part of the finale or if that's something yeah. that gets built up where we kind of leap ahead a couple years for the second part of the sixth season. I'm not quite sure mm -hmm. how that's going to go, but I'm sure there's some sort of grappling that production has had of like how close to present senior members of the royal family, how close to that do we want to mm -hmm. um, include as narrative plot, noting, by the way, that the, the queen has obviously been at the forefront of this show for yeah. the entirety of the show. I mean, it is, in fact, about the crown. And I, I had seen something that said that the decision was made um, by the, the creator, Peter Morgan, who wrote the entire thing, uh, that his point of reference was, it's tough to do anything historical that looks back mm -hmm. um, if it's if less than 20 years has gone by. So I totally agree. So by they're the way. ending it. Um, I guess it would probably it'd probably be the mid-aughts, I think, because mm -hmm. that was sort of the standard that he was holding himself to in like wanting enough distance from uh, the present to to do that. So which I think makes sense. Were you a fan of the Queen? Yes. So I was thinking so much about that, um, especially watching the the last episode because he, for those who don't know, the guy who did the Crown, who wrote all of it, also wrote the movie The Queen with Helen Mirren, um, which is specifically about uh, essentially the Queen's reaction to, to the death of Princess Diana. A lot and of her reaction to like the public's reaction yeah. to her reaction and so it was interesting ahead of this season because i was like oh so he's gonna have to kind of retread some things that he's already uh done and he's known to be someone who writes a lot about the royal family because he did that movie he did this show he did a play with helen mirren which i the saw oh, did yeah. you see it i didn't know but saw i saw it on broadway yeah so he really has come at it at every angle yeah. <laughs> and uh um so i was interested what it would look like to kind of tell this like he already did that like with the movie so how is this episode of the show gonna uh differentiate and i'm curious what you kind of thought in terms of like comparing the movie with how the show told the same story i actually felt like the audience was closer to um the queen than this most recent season of the crown mm. was when it came to the storytelling around diana like sense. it felt different enough to me that i actually found myself comparing elements of this season of the crown to the queen mm. yeah. where i was like oh the, i felt like the queen to me was more the movie is what we're talking about with helen mirren is more connective it felt more fluid to me but that might also just be my remembrance of the experience of watching the movie perhaps mm -hmm. um and this season of the crown i know has been like i think highly criticized mm -hmm. including including for um you know um using um the ghost of the diana ghosts, yeah. and dodie <laughs> but i also found that in watching it so i had heard about that prior to watching. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't surprised by Same, it. Yeah. Had I not known that, I think maybe my 
reaction to that as a theatrical dramatic device might have been different. Is that the ghost of Diane at the door? Um, who's to say? I don't have a delivery, <laughs> but they literally ring every single door. Um, I think that the um, had I not known that, I yeah. might have felt more of, of a visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. I do remember when the ghost of Diana first came up. I was like, oh, no. I think I said that out loud. I was like, Uh oh, no. But then it sort of landed for me differently. What was your reaction to it? When it was reported, I immediately kind of clocked that the headlines were a little headliney where I was like, okay, it's not really a ghost. Like it was sort of I I knew that I imagined what they would do would sort of be like an imagined conversation of like the grieving person. Right talking and for the most which is something we've seen before in like shows and movies and stuff where Mm -hmm. it's you know that general concept isn't so out there or crazy um so it it landed fine i think probably it went on a little bit longer than it needed to i think that could have been its downfall um especially certain elements of it and I, compared to a lot of the reviews and criticisms, I think I definitely had a much more favorable re- reaction to the season. Um, and but but I do understand with those scenes in particular that that is the one thing that I could see issue with, just in the sense that when it felt like putting really strong words in each of their m- mouths, that having them say these things that were really big swings. In terms of like, we don't know how they really felt about like what kind of closure was there or wasn't. And I get that so much of it is creative liberty and it makes sense because it's a, it's a scripted show. But with something so um, known by the public and this mm-hmm. story and so it, it just it I just saw it as like, oh, OK, this is a, a big swing in terms of what they're having them say. And I think it would have played way better if it was just a little bit less of that. What do you think crossed over the line? I think, I mean, what stands out to me was uh, the ghost of <laughs> the ghost of Diana when she was crying to Charles and, and talking about how much um, she loved him and and stuff like that, which in and of itself, I don't like. I think that kind of came up earlier when they were when she was alive, uh, when she, they were dropping off the kids and they had a similar conversation, mm-hmm. which I kind of think all the closure that they were trying to get from that ghost conversation on the plane. They already had. They already had with that scene. And for some reason, even though I don't know if she said that when she was alive or not, it, I think it is more passable in that way. Because it's there's I I don't know there's a weird gravitas that comes when it's a ghost that for some reason I'm like it feels more serious and and even though it's the same thing that she said earlier I I don't know it's just kind of weird. Well, I think the whole purpose of a ghost when yeah. it comes to any kind of like creative storytelling is to like tie up loose ends or finish up the conversation, have the conversation happen that didn't happen when potentially both people were still alive. And yeah. what I hear from what you're saying is they actually had that moment. So mm-hmm. what's the purpose of this aside from maybe some continued closure? And I say that noting that I actually wasn't as put off by the Charles and Ghost of Diana combo. I thought yeah. that kind of worked. I, I thought that that worked. And I really honestly thought that the Dodie um, Dodie and his dad, Dodie's dad, mm-hmm. who's the actor who plays Dodie's dad, I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. Incredible, including in 
previous episodes talking about his fascination and really obsession with the royal family. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that scene was incredibly meaningful. I, I thought that was really done uh, well. But the the queen, the ghost of Diana, I, I was like, this is yeah. this is too much for me. It was like it was snark from the queen that mm-hmm. I don't know or a sense of like honestly bitterness about Diana that we already got a fair share of when both were alive, frankly. And now and also the experience of watching the then living queen talk to the ghost of Diana with the queen now being passed and sort of an airing of grievances. I just, it's not that it wasn't realistic Mm -hmm. because we're talking about a ghost. It's just, it, it felt um, unnecessary in a way that I was just like, this isn't, I don't know that this is, we already know that the queen is like a full, complete person. That was, to me, the whole point of the show. Yeah. And t- to that point, I think in terms of being realistic or not, I actually do think it wasn't in the sense that I could see Charles or uh, Dodie's father having that situation where they're sitting and they're thinking about what they wanted to say or imagining what they I don't think the queen would have been been sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I said this to Princess Diana. I don't think she would have at all. So I, I do get how that's not realistic. Um, just in the sense that I I don't think Queen Elizabeth would have um, imagined that conversation in any way, shape, or form anyway. Right. Like, what? who was this serving? I don't think it was serving yeah. the audience. And if it was serving the audience, it was sort of... I don't want to say selfish to the audience because I'm like, what the fuck? This is a TV show. But it just it felt like it was trying to add a complication that felt not lazy, but just like superficial. Mm -hmm. It felt superficial in a way that was like it was like sort of dramatically cloying. It was cloying at both of these people being complicated. But again, to me, the whole point of the crown is to understand the human people behind this thing. It's not to get into a conversation of whether or not this should exist, because mm-hmm. that's for people far closer and more connected and intelligent on the topic than I to discuss. It's really about the 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 scripted show being kind of based on elements that did happen and and the reaction to the characters. It's much more successful at that LOL than the morning show is, (laughs) which tries to, you know, take a certain amount of artistic license and then add in and this other thing and then the wildfires on Mm -hmm. CNN and whatever else. And it does not do it does better when it lives in the world of the imaginary versus trying to respond to the real. Mm -hmm. The crown, I think, has done an incredibly effective job of like bearing some element of responsibility with teaching members of its audience about these things that happened in history that we many of us did not know about or did not know about in detail and doing so in a way that makes us connected Mm -hmm. not just to the royal family let's say but to the experience of what it must have been like in that time it's any kind of period piece the crown is a period piece it's just they're as relating to that, I think there's a level of responsibility because of the closeness that members of the audience feel to some of the people involved. I mean, like, LOL, number one being the queen, Mm -hmm. that I think there's, it's a difficult kind of um, balancing act, one that Peter Morgan obviously is 
very well versed in, mm-hmm. but it's a balancing act between wanting to tell a certain kind of story, seemingly pay respect to the historical figures involved who may or may not still be alive and do so in a way that feels dramatic. It's like, how do you figure out what kind of dramatic and creative license to take when you're telling a story based on true events? And I think that that is such a good point in terms of like, especially early seasons, leaning into the history lesson aspect of it Mm. a little bit more. And I think that that, to circle back to the movie The Queen, I feel like that movie did that in a much better way than these episodes did in the sense that what we really that what was omitted from these episodes that was featured in the movie was um, an emphasis on the public reaction to uh, the Queen's silence during that time, which was so major. And all of the Tony Blair aspect of it, which the the movie really delves into much more um, his involvement and his relationship with the Queen as it pertained to this issue. And his wife's relationship with Mm -hmm. the Crown. Yeah, and opinion of the crown historically it was so it was such a important moment in terms of like this was i i was gonna say the first but at least a very major time in which public opinion turned so firmly against the crown in a way that kind of made the ground shake between the entire Mm -hmm. uh uh underneath the entire institution which is huge because we've been building towards that for five seasons now and now to sort of kind of breeze by that which again the movie highlights as such a major deal um you know was sort of a missed opportunity but i also do understand why there were differences between the two because it's the same guy Mm. writing both and it's tough because you don't want to repeat yourself and just copy and paste from the movie even though the movie did it really well so i understand why you know there was a little bit more of an emphasis on those uh, personal stories and what was happening really like behind the closed doors. Um, but I, I I think that, and I get why in terms of like uh, there being a dramaturgical, uh, to borrow from Jeremy Strong, um, <laughs> desire for that closure that the ghosts bring. Yeah. Princess Diana was 36 and this was a car accident. That, inherently lacks closure so i do wish there was maybe even just a little bit less of that that is such a good point because i feel like there was that was just such a hallmark of the entire thing was this wasn't the end of a story this was in the middle of it and it was cut short and i wish there was a little bit more emphasis on that i mean and i don't mean to be a dick when i say this but like the true haunting is the fact that we will never understand how the rest of her life would have played out she had yeah. such enormous attention and promise and was doing such good work and was adored and obsessed over by members of the public and obviously you know um sought upon and uh tracked by members of um, the media Mm -hmm. in a way that was obviously reprehensible and one that many people feel led directly to the car crash for many factors involved. But, um, you know, I it's that is a really interesting point, because the whole to me that from a dramatic perspective, the reality is that people will never get closure. And Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is like the outside audience. We're not talking about members of her family, obviously, who are traumatized by this. Mm-hmm. I To take away from that by putting the ghost in 
at the ghost <laughs> stuff in at mm-hmm. that moment is interesting from that perspective because you're trying to maybe holistically bring closure to people, but dramatically you're removing that license. You're removing some of the real impact of the fact that this was sudden, that yeah. we didn't have this. Maybe it was Peter Morgan thinking like, I'm going to be charitable and dramatic, but mm-hmm. I don't know that his sense of charity helped our experience in watching this because it did remove some of the the shock of it. Yeah. And I could also see, I mean, for those who haven't seen his movie, The Queen. Which I highly recommend. Yeah, it's I've seen it so many times. Incredible. And uh, but, but Princess Diana isn't in it right. at all. Um, so great I, point. I think, <laughs> <laughs> great, great point. Great point. I think that's another key difference where... Uh, you know, this telling of that time gets to feature Diana. And I think he ran with that yeah. by having these apparate, you know, the, these ghosts come come back for these conversations. Uh, and I, I can, again, understand why that, that why he went that route to uh, distinguish between the two the two ways because that is i was it's a really interesting weird thing to be like i i already made this story and now i'm being essentially assigned self-assigned i guess but to tell it again right and so it's a it's a weird situation but to his credit at least there are these you know differences it's interesting at least yeah and exactly what you said about the tension between um the uh, audience and the tension between the actual the 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 tension in the fact that the crown itself was in a perilous place and that really the royal family was being dragged and i think appropriately so Mm -hmm. for not responding um to diana's death in the way that i think the public assumed that she would be is such a big part of um the queen and for that not to be a, as much a part of the crown did maybe have an impact i think that it's hard when you're trying to focus on like the characters that you want to be able to focus on because yeah. where else are you going to be able to necessarily tell this story and it's all been like leading up to this moment i think that's also a part of it because the early days of the crown and so many parts of the crown since it began have been to me incredible, dramatic, mm-hmm. interesting, new information for me. Yeah. And the casting has been I mean, Claire oh, Foy fantastic. Yeah. One of the best performances of like honestly modern television. Mm-hmm. I really think she deserves every uh, Olivia Coleman. I mean, everybody, honestly, mm-hmm. has been superb. But it does feel like because we are leading up to more recent times it feels like you're supposed to be leading up to some big huge ending and sometimes it's not necessarily the big ending it's just time getting closer to where we are now Mm -hmm. and i think that does it a disservice but that's also the idea of any kind of period storytelling where the periods change um maybe there's just too much pressure but maybe it's also just like not as good as the earlier seasons Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i definitely think that that sort of critical magnifying glass grows as it gets to these subjects yeah. that people are so well versed in, like that 1997 time and, and and Diana's death. Like people, not only has the world like the world tuned into that story in real time, but mm-hmm. also it's been told 
over and over again. So it, it is kind of a different beast than than writing season one or season two, where you know people weren't familiar, and there's definitely way less pressure. Pressure, I imagine. I also think, obviously, there's more information that's come out. I don't know the timeline of when Harry's book came out versus when they were filming the mm -hmm. show and like the tail end of the series. But um, the fact that they didn't have the children being told Harry and William, mm -hmm. obviously, specifically, the it, like the sound wasn't there. You were yeah. just seeing maybe Harry's face, for example, but you're not necessarily seeing those scenes of them being told was important because this is... As we know, it's like, even though they can say with creative license, how does that work when you're talking about people related to the crown who we don't really know at all? Like we've all been using creative license or many of us to assume we understand these people. Yeah. So when we have a show that's like scripted and has the high production value and is bajillions of dollars invested in it, you can tell me creative license over and over again. But this is as close as I'm probably going to get to members of the royal family, yeah. um, even though I am obviously a dame. <laughs> so the creative license is kind of screwy at a certain point because it's like you want to pay respect mm -hmm. to the fact that, yes, these are also senior members of the royal family or former senior members of the royal fam family. And you don't want to make the moment of them finding out their, which has been blown out and yeah. speculated on by the entirety of by billions of people across mm -hmm. the world it is this like weird kind of dance because the creative license of it is something that many of us have carried as just a part of the yeah. experience of following the royal family so how does that work yeah and i think that that's such a fine line with especially because it is closer to you know where we are we have a, a much higher proximity to it but uh, there's definitely a risk of of being tasteless yeah. with subjects like that and stuff like that. So I definitely think that they handle certain things really well. And I, but it's a that's a tough dance to try to do that, especially because I think I saw something with with Peter Morgan, and I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but I think he was asked about some of like the Harry and Meghan stuff, and I I believe that he maybe said something about not really wanting to tune in too much because he doesn't want you know osmosis yeah like he doesn't want to be uh that voice in his head which is interesting because he's clearly such a, a royal like aficionado and mm -hmm. like so i do understand that and i can understand why you know if he's in that world of 1997 he doesn't want the the perspective of 2022 to impact that you know he harry is writing with uh a totally different lens right in, in this year than you know at the time but um yeah it's interesting i do hope that um i guess according to his rule i hope that in 20 years we get a harry and megan um prestige something from peter morgan <laughs> i yeah i wonder if he will continue this in some in some way or because turn he, his focus elsewhere but still yeah. as a part of the crown because it is such an interesting thing where like he's really made a career out of this now with three different projects right. really digging into this like and now it's something super fascinating and, and juicy that he has this 
you know, restraint to not continue the show to that point, which is impressive. But now I'm, I'm like, I feel like he'll do something with, with that whole story once we get some distance from it. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready 
ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City, which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. And my guess is if you are a member of like William or Harry's inner circle, there's probably a a pretty decent chance that you watched the beginning part of the series, Mm -hmm. let alone if you were Harry or William, regardless of what you're going to say publicly. Yeah. I think Harry maybe even said that he did. Yeah. At the beginning. And I think there's also a very extremely significant chance that you're not going to go anywhere near the later seasons, Mm -hmm. noting that obviously people on their teams are going to need to watch to know what to respond to from a PR perspective, because it's a bit, I mean, again, it's like creative license, any kind of focus on dramatizing and humanizing these people and figures is Mm -hmm. complicated but i also think so too is the experience of being a child who feels like their mom was kind of taken from them quite literally and figuratively including by public attention yeah that like i can't imagine when it comes to humanizing this person who's already been ripped apart and criticized heavily while she was alive and after Mm -hmm. she died and wanting to keep some part of her to yourself that like, I would think the last thing that a person would want is for someone to take a human eye, which can include a critical one to my mom, if she was the most famous woman and maybe person in the world, you know, like, how do you even process that? Because to be a child who's parent dies and dies so publicly and is Mm -hmm. mourned as publicly and to be forced into that public mourning. And now to have this show, it's like, at what point do I just get to own the version of her that I had? Or is it maybe the process of mourning is to know that no one will ever take that from you and to just Mm -hmm. kind of like block out the rest. You know what I'm saying? Like the last thing that you need when your mom, everybody has some sort of relationship of with a parent or family member, whoever that is of like, not necessarily deifying them, but just like looking at looking to them and about them through a very specific personal lens, there might be a a real reason behind why you don't look at that person critically, or maybe why that's the only thing that you do, but you don't need that to be public. Yeah. And I honestly think now that you're saying that, I I think it was maybe a missed opportunity for the show to have kind of a meta moment to acknowledge that. Hmm. And I'm reminded of the scene during the procession at the funeral where I'm trying to think. I think William says to Philip, why are they crying for somebody that they didn't know? Which I think is a really poignant question question. that could be dug into in a really interesting way. But instead, Philip says, they're not crying for her. They're crying for you, which is a really strong written line. Yeah. But it also kind of is like, but no, no, they, they actually are. Well, secondly, they also don't know you, so the question still stands. But I feel like it would be a much more interesting discussion 
for the show, not for that particular, you know, duo on the during the procession necessarily, but for the show to try to actually answer that question in a way because they were crying for her, a person they didn't know. And I think the show did its, you know, a good job at touching on the impact that she had mm-hmm. for all of these people and stuff like that. But in thinking about the you didn't know her thing, that is such an interesting conversation because they didn't, but they had they knew some version of her, whether it was whether or not that was actually her, in the same way that the show doesn't really know her, but they know, quote unquote, know some version of her, which is the one that they're telling. So I feel like that's something interesting that they didn't really dig super. There was a brief opportunity to explore mm-hmm. a little more and they went a different way. Not that it was a bad way, but uh, it's definitely an interesting conversation. The thing with the crown that I've always found really interesting is that like there would be these huge, huge moments in history that they make really small in a great way where it's like yes. one person's experience is so magnified, but so connective mm-hmm. that now I understand the greater cost of this terrible thing that happened. And with the Diana stuff, it feels like they couldn't quite get to it because I think it was just too big and it's too yeah. close in people's minds that to find those smaller moments, mm-hmm. including we can't stop talking about it, but including in the Queen, which to me was more of like a dream sequence yeah. than anything else, the movie itself, in in many aspects of it, that did a better job. But again, it could be hyper-focused. It could be mm-hmm. hyper-focused on the Queen in a way that the Crown, LOL, sort of can't be. And I also think of that moment with Prince Philip, and I think it was William, I forget though, but um, I think it was mm-hmm. Prince Philip talking to William. And it's like, how much of that is Prince Philip saying how much of that of that answer is Prince Philip saying they're not crying for her, they're crying for you because of maybe his relationship with Diana or not? And how much of that answer is a grandfather trying to comfort his grandson who just lost his parent way too young yeah. and saying and trying to say that, like, you are seen. Yeah, they're a, here for you. Yeah, in a yeah. way that feels like loving. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know that I agree with Prince Phil. I think both things can be true at mm-hmm. once, yeah. but I do think a big part of it was specific to Diana, but obviously a big part of like the funeral procession itself certainly was focused on the shock and horror of seeing these poor, sweet young boys mm-hmm. having to so publicly mourn their mom and having to do it in any way is really the tragedy that I think a lot of people were in grief yeah. over. My much more cynical read on that line, which I don't actually subscribe to, but I, when I heard it, I basically kind of went both ways where I was like, okay, the grandfather element that you know was wholesome about that. But I thought potential subtext also that could have been interesting was uh, Philip saying, they're not crying for her, they're crying for you and you being the king, the, the crown. Yeah, like, 100%. You are the next in line. Yeah. Uh, not next, but next, next. And that's what people are, uh, that's where people's loyalties lie. Oh, interesting. Oh, that I didn't think about. Which I, again, I'm not saying that this is the definitive reading or even how I really read it, but I saw that line as something that could be interpreted in different ways. Um, But I do think in reality, historically, in both the movie, the historically, I'm talking about two different fictional TV shows, (laughs) (laughs) but in any like telling or anything I've read about yeah. that time, I do think that Prince Philip was, uh, for all of his other you know d- terrible qualities, was known for being a very good grandfather to to those two. And I think yeah. that it's much more likely that it was uh, a case of that. But 
And I think also there's been some stuff said about Prince Charles in that in those moments and stepping up and like his grief mm-hmm. over this is like so fucking weird. But I think it's because many of these people, again, we like draw our own uh, conclusions and have seen so much terrible and read so much terrible stuff that it's like the fact that he was grieving over his ex-wife is a shock to people yeah. because all they remember is like the war between these two, the War of the Roses. And then it's like to see this man break down and like maybe have actually cried when his ex-wife died, not just... Uh, certainly a huge part of that knowing the loss that his beloved children have gone through but also the fact that it was his ex-wife i mean that is like maybe breaking news to people that Mm -hmm. charles would feel grief toward diana and let alone regret i mean Mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot here to unpack i don't know how successful the first part of the sixth season was but i also think it wasn't as bad as i was led to believe it would be but i also sort of understand if other people felt differently yeah i feel like it was it's honestly interesting talking about it because in watching it i was like oh i like that a lot like i you know i didn't the criticism stuff but in talking about it and kind of parsing through things i have a much deeper understanding of like areas that are you know worthy of of critic um criticism and, and stuff like that but i am very interested in what the second half looks like mm. of the season, both in terms of the actual subject matter, but also just the vibe of the show. Because for a few seasons now, I guess this is probably like the third season that Diana has sort of entered the scene and uh, changed the the DNA of the, the television show mm-hmm. itself that now we're kind of going back to uh, a cast of characters um, without her in the room and and kind of you know potentially focusing back on uh the queen in a way but but yet she is the ghost that remains i mean yeah. that's the whole who knows maybe she'll be recurring for the rest <laughs> she of might be. she'll pop up like lizzie mcguire's little cartoon I and mean... give advice <laughs> it's possible but also this is the thing that i think upsets many members of the senior family is the fact that diana lives on and there is a certain amount of upset about that about obviously the attention that um she created and was created around her during her life it hasn't necessarily gone anywhere or maybe it's been rerouted i mean Mm -hmm. i think that's a lot of what has happened to the spouses who've married into the royal family. Um, Lord knows we saw that first with Kate and what she endured and Mm -hmm. then uh, with Megan. And it's just, it is, it's this like astounding sort of unwinnable position, I think, if you're Peter Morgan. But I do think he did a really effective job of it in, again, for the 19th time in The Queen. But I also say that noting, as you said, that she was a huge part of the movie, but unseen. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of seeing, I do just need to say that Elizabeth Debicki, whose name I'm probably Mm. fucking up, I have been obsessed with since watching Widows 1700 times, Steve McQueen, um, Viola Davis. It's like literally, and I never go to movies in a movie theater. And I watched it in a movie theater, I think I want to say at least twice. I've seen it at certainly minimum 10 times and that's very very i've watched it so many times because the mood and vibe of it is extraordinary Mm -hmm. and i will never get over watching it in a movie theater because the sound effects were so fucking important to that movie but it's like such a good fucking movie and she's so fucking good in it and Mm -hmm. so when i heard she had been cast as diana i was like hell fucking yeah this woman is so goddamn talented and she just 
killed it. I mean, I know we talk about Claire Foy, Olivia Coleman, everybody, the guys, whomever, but fuck me. She just fucking killed it. I thought she did mm-hmm. such an extraordinary job. Yeah, I really she did. She was amazing. And just incredible at delivering a line oh my while God. fully looking down. Yes. And looking like through her forehead in true Diana form. But um, yeah, it was incredible. The casting on the show is so... It's beyond. Brilliant because it does something that not... X-Files. It just... Yeah. It, yes. It's, uh, <laughs> who's like Jillian dating... Or, she was. They ma- broke up. Oh, they did. Oh, I think Peter okay. Mark, What Do we say Jillian or Gillian? I've never said it right. I always want to say Jillian, but I think I'm wrong. I know it's like... Ma- Madame Anderson. Yes, exactly. Who, if you guys haven't seen The Fall, by the way, one of the scariest shows you'll ever see. She's fucking incredible oh, yeah. on it. She's unbelievable. She's an extraordinary actor. Yeah, extraordinary. just incredible across the board. And what it... This show in particular has a really tough job because not only are they trying to match the actor to the real person, right. but they also have to match them to the person who played the role right before oh, them. Oh my and god! And they knock it out of the park on Truly. both parts every time. Like it's they find the perfect person that yes. feasibly you look at the one who played mm-hmm. before and it's like a seamless continuation mm-hmm. and fits the real person. So they do a real and they actually I know they wanted Helen Mirren for. This last oh, bout. Oh, did they? Yeah. And she was like... Can't do it. She was like, leave me alone. <laughs> I've done it enough for you. Because now this would have been... Had she done it, it would have been her third bout playing the queen for Peter Morgan. And um, I think they inter- she did an interview recently and she was just like... Yeah, they... they I think Netflix in particular kept being like... Fr- from the, the show's inception, I think they kind of... There was talks of like, oh, and she'll probably come back for the you know, the ones far off. And then once it came around, she was like, no, I've really done that. Like, there's not more that I can do. I actually think it's really good that she wasn't in Same. it. And as someone who's obsessed with her, obviously, because I'm yeah. a human person, like it, w- it would have been too close. It would have, we're already talking about the queen every 30 seconds. Like it would have been too close to his other yeah. projects as her and her other performances. She wouldn't have, she would have been constrained potentially by her previous performance. This enabled mm-hmm. someone to already constrained by history and our perception of it and the script itself. Yeah. Um, but but what the what you talked about with the the difficulty and sensitivity around casting not only around the historical figure but the actor before them mm-hmm. that is a fucking that's like unbelievable to me that's it's unbelievable and yeah. how well they did princess margaret through the years oh, i mean yeah, yeah. just there's so many performers who were so perfectly cast and and just did such exceptional work that mm-hmm. this is one of those shows i don't know how often i would rewatch it but yeah. I really, it will stay with me. I really, really appreciate I'm so thankful to The Crown. I think it's been just really, yeah. really extraordinary. And it shows the power of television. I know that we're well past the point of like TV, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really has been dramatic and interesting and um, uh, just fascinating to kind of watch and lose a, uh, oneself in and then you know, the inevitable Google of like, oh my God, I didn't know this thing happened. Let me read a yeah. thousand pieces, a thousand um, think pieces about it. And then the, how close was the crown to this moment in history? Mm-hmm. Let's deep dive it yeah. for an hour and a half. I mean, looking at the photos to compare totally. what was really taken. Yeah. And I mean, the guy that broke in a couple times, oh, that yeah. whole story. And then what's really is doing all of that research and finding out stories that got cut. Yes. And like finding out other crazy oh stuff God. that happened that didn't make it into the crown just because they were like, oh, we didn't have time. So I it's mean, like, wow, what a 
saga. I would have to say, listen, Peter Morgan, if you're listening, and obviously he's an AG, yep. if not a tipper. <laughs> um, but I was watching Downton Abbey, with another show, another movie I've seen a thousand times on the flight back from LA, oh, which now I want to watch it again. <laughs> but wouldn't it be interesting if he really wasn't tired of doing The Crown? I know that he did aspects of this during The Crown, mm-hmm. but if there really was a kind of focus on the crown through the through the lens of the people who were working at the firm as it is known wouldn't that be kind of yeah like the like the pr people the comms people i don't like the movie the butler i mean lee daniels oh yeah which i didn't i haven't seen yet should i see it um, honestly, I saw it when it came out forever ago, okay. so I can't even uh, All right. say. But I remember Oprah was in it. <laughs> I know, and we we are allies to Oprah Winfrey. Always. Um, that would be interesting. Although I don't know how you get around not having to go through, God forbid, the casting of like the Dianas and the Charleses mm-hmm. and everything else again. But maybe you do what he did in yeah. spoiler alert, the Queen. <laughs> um, that could be really kind of fascinating. Yeah. We're not done with this. It's yeah. like do it as a sitcom. Do it, <laughs> do it as curb your enthusiasm yeah. is what we are learning from this. Do this as just the guys outside with the hats and just have it be people trying to distract them yes. to make them like break character. The Love sol- that. what are um the people on the horses? Yeah, they're like the, red we're Americans. And, the yeah, people yeah. on the horses with the hats is how we um think about it. Uh listen, Tom Smith Smythe, a pleasure having you on, taking it personally. I'm so glad that you mentioned having watched The Crown because I immediately chomped on that and was like, we need to discuss it. And mm-hmm. the fact that there is so much honestly unsaid left to say says so much about the show itself as well as the experience of watching TV and mm-hmm. our reactions to it. So um, I'm so thankful to you, the ghosts of whomever listening to this. Um, and again, I just have to shout out before we wrap because I'm terrible at rapping that the the actor, I know I mentioned the actor who played Muhammad, but um, the actor who played Dodie, I was like obsessed with him. Oh yeah, it was that was really well cast because it also was like... Um, kind of a good middle point attractive wise yes where if you look i don't know oh wait you mean attractive as in physically attractive in the sense that like if you look at real photos of oh yeah a little different yeah little so different. it sort of bridged that gap in a way that right. made it f- more feasible yeah gotta 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 yeah but that's tv for you yeah but great performance too. <laughs> i mean look at charles you know what i'm talking exactly, about exactly yeah um like... charles gotta d- yeah um great per- he and it's the sadness that i felt that he was just bereft the end he was heartbroken by his father from the yeah. second he was on screen i mean it was just oh and the call that we know that we don't know happened and that's all creative license mm-hmm. that him you know, turning the phone off and then Diana knowing, I mean, I can't get into it. It's just to say that the, the casting really just wanted to shout out that um, mm-hmm. performance because I thought it was really great. Um, Tom Smith Smythe, tell the AGs, tell the tippers where they can follow you on social, read your incredible writing and so much more. Yep. So uh, on social, I'm at Tom underscore Smythe underscore on Twitter and Instagram and any writing you could find there. Love that. Um, Guys, you can follow me on social, meaning Instagram, uh, at Dame Galley. Join the Andy Scarls Patreon, number one way to supporting the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash Andy Scarls. And my goodness, thanks so much for being a part of this journey. We've literally recorded today for 18 hours, (laughs) and I'm so thankful to you for that. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. 